Hello, friends, and welcome to More Than Gold, a podcast that rejoices in three very important truths. You are precious. You are of value. You are worth more than gold. My name is Sonia DeClerc, and I'm your host for the show. From the bottom of my heart, thank you for joining in. Today's episode is the first in a series that digs deep into navigating the joys and sorrows of life. My friends, you will never be able to fully appreciate the great heights that you can reach unless you experience a few, maybe even many, great lows. But what do we do when our pain and sorrow outweigh our ability to feel joy? In this episode, I will share with you a story, my story, and how recognizing the purpose and value of experiencing pain and sorrows has transformed my life. Let me begin with a brief introduction of myself. I was born and raised in Edmonton, Alberta, and studied fine art at McEwen University. In 2001, I began my career as a jewelry designer and went on to become an applied jewelry professional through the Gemological Institute of America. My life's greatest masterpiece has been my three amazing children who are the most phenomenal human beings that I have ever met. And truly, they make this world a better place. Family is everything to me. And my husband and I recently celebrated 20 years of marriage together this year. We live in a small acreage, and I love the peace and quiet of country life. As I mentioned earlier, I'm a jewelry designer, so I frequently work with diamonds and gold. As such, I can't help but find symbolism and allegory in working with these precious metals. Let's talk a little bit about diamonds. And trust me, this is going somewhere. Diamond has a chemical composition of pure carbon. Now, do you know what else shares a chemical composition of pure carbon? Graphite. How is it then that diamond is one of the hardest and most expensive known minerals, while graphite is one of the softest and most inexpensive? It all comes down to the difference in crystal structure and the unique set of circumstances that caused a crystal structure to form. For diamonds to form, extremely high temperature and pressure are required deep within the Earth's mantle. Graphite, on the other hand, forms near the Earth's surface at significantly lower temperatures and pressures. So why am I talking to you about diamond and graphite on a podcast that focuses on navigating the joys and sorrows of life? The answer, my friends, is purpose and perspective. Pain without purpose is just pain. And just pain is without question one of the most miserable things you will ever experience in this life. However, when you can find purpose in your pain, it provides strength and resilience, understanding and wisdom, essential tools to help you navigate that pain and find perspective and hope. When you come to realize that pain and sorrow are meant to transform you rather than destroy you, you will approach life with a light and clarity that radiates deep from within your very soul. Metaphorically speaking, you are becoming a diamond. I'm going to share my story with you. 
But I first need to make one thing perfectly clear. My story is not a sob story. It is a transformation story. This episode might get a little bit uncomfortable. I will be speaking on a sensitive topic, depression and suicide. It's a subject that is not always easy to talk about. Oftentimes, there is a social stigma surrounding depression and mental illness that makes this topic all the more difficult to discuss. It is my hope that as I share my personal story, that we will develop a greater sense of compassion, empathy, and awareness. If we are successful in this, then we will have been successful in breaking down that social stigma even just a little, and we will together have made a positive change. Now, I'm going to bring us down a little bit right now, but I promise to bring us right back up at the end. I am a suicide survivor in every sense of the word. Having lost a family member to death by suicide and having narrowly survived my own attempt, I have unique insight, understanding, and empathy regarding this devastating illness. August 14th, 2011, my life was forever changed and my heart shattered. I received a call informing me that I urgently needed to come into Edmonton. No details were given. No details were needed. The sinking pit in my stomach told me all that I needed to know. Daddy. My husband and I were told to meet my family at the University of Alberta Hospital. On arrival, we were led to a private waiting room where my family embraced my husband and I in tears. We were informed that my dad had suffered a traumatic brain injury, leaving him deep in coma with life-threatening internal bleeding and swelling. I remember the fear and anxiety as I was brought in to see my dad. The healthy, vibrant, cheerful man that I knew and loved my entire life was now disfigured beyond recognition and unresponsive. Words cannot adequately describe the depths of agony that consumed me as I held my father's hand and desperately pleaded to God for his well-being. Two days later, on August 16, 2011, my dad was pronounced dead. Time for me seemed to stop while the world around me was strangely abuzz in the bustle of daily life. It was such a disorienting time. I felt so detached from the world and couldn't see how it would ever be possible to return to life with any sense of normalcy. My grief was disabling, and I found myself lost in a mist of darkness. But time went on. Life went on. Days turned to months, turned to years. And I felt that something was innately wrong with me. The grief didn't subside. Any given moment that I was alone, I found my entire being flooded with vivid imagery of that fateful day. The images, sounds, 
smells, emotions were all as real to me as the day I first walked into the hospital room. And I was continuously reliving the events in excruciating detail over and over and over again. My coping strategy was to become busy, to fill my days with anything that could keep me actively engaged in something, anything, to avoid those moments of alone time at any cost. I was working as a jewelry designer in Edmonton. I took on a part-time job in a dental office, and I went back to school part-time taking a microbiology class in preparation for becoming a psychiatric nurse. I filled my days with my children's sporting events and serving in my church. My husband and I explored the option of adoption and foster care and were in the midst of the application process that involved hours of training and home studies. I was meeting with my psychiatrist and psychologist, taking medications as prescribed. I poured my heart out in prayer and immersed myself in scripture study. Despite my best efforts, nothing was working. Then insomnia hit. I could not sleep. My mind was continuously bombarded with intrusive memories that I was powerless to combat. Three sleepless nights crippled me. I spent the nights praying and pleading for relief, for deliverance. I knew I needed more help. I even knew I needed to go to the hospital, but I saw it as a strike against me and resisted going. On the third day without sleep, I was desperate. The pain was more than I could tolerate. I was home alone and wanted sleep and relief so desperately that I was now irrational. I took a large amount of sleeping pills and nothing happened. Still no sleep. Still no relief. So I took all of the medication that I had in my house. In retrospect, it wasn't that I wanted to end my life. I wanted relief from the pain. I wanted the pain to end. Immediately after taking the last pill, I knew I had made a grave mistake. My husband felt prompted to call me on his way home from work and said that he was taking me to the hospital. I agreed that I needed to go, but made no mention of what I had just done. After the call ended, I went to the bathroom to try and purge myself of the excessive amount of medication that I had taken. My husband arrived home, and we went to the hospital. We met with the triage nurse. She asked if I had taken anything, and I told her what I had done. As I received my wristband, my husband and I went into the waiting room, but before we could sit down, I had a grand mal seizure and lost consciousness. I remember very little after that. I'm told that I spent a week in the intensive care unit, barely clinging to life. I had experienced severe serotonin syndrome as a result of the quantity and combination of the medications that I took. After leaving the intensive care unit, I spent a week in the medicine unit 
as my CK levels were too high. After leaving the medicine unit, I spent a week in the psychiatric unit. But all of this was the easy part. The hard part was entering the real world again. I was terrified of what others thought and said about me. I felt as though I had been marked with a scarlet letter and everyone saw and knew my shame. I begged and pleaded with my Heavenly Father to please just take me home. I didn't think I was strong enough to ever face the world again. This was a decisive moment in my life. My current situation was unsustainable unless I did something about it. I had to actively choose faith over fear. I had to muster all of the courage that I possibly could and face one day at a time. My past experience had left me feeling absolutely worthless and like a complete failure. Anxiety overwhelmed me. In those moments of terror and anxiety, I gripped my wedding rings as though my very life depended on it. It somehow gave me strength. In my mind's eye, I envisioned my husband and children one by one. And for some reason, unbeknownst to me, I started repeating the words in my head. I am precious. I am a value. I am worth more than gold. In the moments where darkness and anxiety engulfed me, I found myself focusing on my wedding rings and held them tight as I thought of my husband and children. This served as a successful way to divert my attention from fear and anxiety and redirect towards the love, strength, and comfort of my family. That, in combination with medication and therapy, helped to get me to a point of wellness. However, what empowered me was the realization that at any given moment in my sphere of influence, there were others experiencing pain similar to mine, if not worse. Love and empathy has given me the strength and courage to step out of my comfort zone in the hope of providing help and comfort to all that I can. You never truly know what another individual is experiencing. Some of us hide it very well. The solution is to treat everyone with love and compassion. Frequently, I think of a line from one of my favorite hymns that says, In the quiet heart is hidden sorrow that the eye can't see. Please love always. To you who are listening, I want you to know that my heart breaks for you if you are struggling in any way. I want you to know that you are of worth and value. You do not have to prove your worth. You do not have to earn your worth. That worth and value is always there simply because you are you.
because I found focusing on my rings to be a su- such a successful help and comfort to me. I felt inspired to create a line of jewelry that could help others the same way. On August 14, 2018, seven years after my dad's death, I launched a collection of very simple gold bands called More Than Gold. Though simple in design, my rings carry with it a significant message filled with deep purpose and meaning. Each ring is meant to be worn as a token or reminder of your own worth and value. Truly, you are worth more than gold. You are precious. You are of value. And in those moments, when you might doubt or question your individual worth, it is my greatest hope that these rings will be a tangible reminder to you that your value exceeds anything that is of this world. Now, my story does not stop here, and I want to fast forward to June of this year as I share with you the chain of events that motivated me to launch this podcast. Despite the pandemic, life for me was going quite well. I was working as an in-house jewelry designer for one of the most amazing jewelry stores in all of North America. I loved my job. I loved the people that I worked with even more. It was an exciting time filled with creativity and a passion for what I was doing. My family was healthy and well, and my children's futures were looking bright for the coming academic and athletic year. Summer was right around the corner, and with that, the joy of summer holidays. On June 22, 2021, as I drove downtown Edmonton on my way to work, I witnessed a man jump to his death right in front of my car. I was one of the first responders on scene and called 911. Help came almost immediately as police and the ambulance arrived on scene, but the man did not survive impact. My heart ached for that man and his family. My body shook. My heart sobbed. And then I began to shut down. I took a leave of absence from work to seek help and treatment. But the trauma of what I witnessed was more than I could bear. For a period of about two weeks, I could do little more than lie in my bed and stare at the ceiling. Forming sentences and speaking was hard. Thinking was hard. I felt so detached and disoriented. Little by little, with help and treatment from my psychiatrist, psychologist, family, and friends, I began to see small improvements. I found that I could start returning to some of the normal tasks of life, but returning to work seemed daunting. I wanted to give it a try and return to work, but driving downtown caused me debilitating anxiety. I couldn't do it. With a heavy heart, I gave my notice. I started experiencing stiffness and pain in my shoulder shortly after that and tried stretches and exercise to help relieve the discomfort. Unfortunately, the pain became worse and my range of motion dramatically decreased. 
Upon seeing my family doctor, I was diagnosed with a frozen shoulder, an extremely painful and debilitating condition that lasts anywhere from 18 months to three years. I had and continued to have very limited use of my left arm. The condition arises often without any known reason, but perhaps my two weeks of immobilization had triggered this painful condition. I soon found myself focusing only on the pain. Let me tell you, chronic pain is not something that I would wish on my worst enemy. My spirits were low, as even the simplest of tasks became difficult and painful. I kept coming across a quote that read, God is in the details of our lives. It would pop up in the most random of places, and to be honest, it was making me angry. I lashed out at God as I cried one day, asking where he was in the details of my life. Because at the moment, the details of my life, or rather the details I was focusing on, really sucked. I was suffering from PTSD, unemployed, in constant pain, and somewhat of a cripple. I didn't see any purpose in my pain, only pain. In that moment, a distinct thought came to my mind that said, you need to start a podcast. I sarcastically laughed and thought how insane that was. Then the thought came again, this time with a feeling of peace and purpose. You need to start a podcast. I had found the purpose in my pain, and then my heart softened. And here I find myself today speaking to you, the first episode of what I hope to be many as we navigate the joys and sorrows of life together. I'm going to repeat a sentence from the beginning of this episode. My friends, you will never be able to fully appreciate the great heights that you can reach unless you experience a few maybe even many, great lows. I can now look back and see how my furnace of affliction was in actuality a refiner's fire that has strengthened me and changed me in a way that nothing else could have. Finding the purpose in my pain helped me to change from a why-me attitude to a why-not-me attitude. You see, opposites are a valuable learning tool, as knowledge is best obtained by experience. It is by experiencing these opposites that we develop a greater appreciation and understanding for so many principles in life. We learn to appreciate what is sweet by tasting what is bitter. After dark, cloudy days, our hearts soak in warm rays of sunshine. By experiencing fatigue, we better appreciate what it feels like to be rested and rejuvenated. By experiencing heartache and sorrow, we learn to treasure love and joy. Today, I can look back on the past decade and honestly say that the joy outweighs the sorrow. As the psalmist said, they that sow in tears shall reap in joy. The treasures of this world are not diamonds and gold. They are you and I. In Malachi 
chapter 3, verse 17. It reads, And they shall be mine, saith the Lord of hosts, in that day when I make up my jewels. Wherever you are in life, please know this. You matter. You matter greatly. So choose hope. Choose joy. And if the day comes that hope and joy are lost, please hang on. If the day comes and you cannot hang on, allow others into your life who can hang on for you. Have courage, my friends. Together, we've got this.